Is the Lord good? The Lord is full of mercy. Is the Lord merciful? His mercy endures forever. Does his mercy endure forever? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we ready for the word? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let's just stand for a moment and um, make sure we position ourselves to receive the word. And at the same time, for the word to be both transmitted and received. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that by positioning ourselves through the, um, through the whole armor of God. Because you see, when you're in the position, when you are clothed with Christ, which is the very essence of the armor of God, you are in a position where you stand in boldness and in confidence before God without any sense of separation. And you also stand before the enemy as more than a conqueror. And you stand in every situation from a place of victory. Amen? And I believe that in that place, and that is a place of faith, that is a place in the spirit. That's not a place based on sight. That is a place based on faith. So let's just say, just lift up your hands and make this declaration. It's a declaration. It's a proclamation. This is your faith speaking. Amen? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I put on the whole armor of God. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I put on that helmet of salvation so that I function in the mind of Christ. That place of peace, freedom from all torment, that place of confidence. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, that place of oneness with you, as if sin has never been. No sense of separation. And I take the shield of faith and I quench every fiery dart of the enemy. I have confidence in what Jesus has finished on what is already done. I have on the gospel shoes of peace. I stand in this place where I know by the blood and by his sacrifice everything has been reconciled to God's original intent. And in the name of Jesus I fasten the whole armor with a belt of truth. The reality of everything Jesus has finished in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and his shed blood. And so now, I take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that word is released, that word is transmitted, that word is, re is received, and I have ears to hear and to learn. The anointing teaches me all things, breaks every yoke, removes every burden. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. You believe that? 
Say, I'm a believer. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. Glory to God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now we're continuing on the series, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and this is part 8. And today specifically, we're going to be talking about deeper, it's subtitled Deeper in Prayer Through Tongues. Getting into the, into the deeper realms of prayer where tongues is a vehicle for the Holy Spirit to take you there. Amen? Because you can't go there except the Holy Spirit takes you there. But tongues is a vehicle that he will use to get you there. Is that alright? Alright, turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. There is deeper places in the realm of the Spirit. There are deeper places in prayer. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, likewise, the Holy Spirit, he helps our infirmities. He helps our weaknesses. He helps the areas where, where we are ignorant, the shortcomings that we have. He helps us to get past them. For we, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit himself, he makes intercession for us. He gets right into the, into the situation with us and takes the whole together with us against whatever it is that is coming against us or takes a hold together with us to take a hold of whatever it is we need to, to receive. Amen? He makes intercession for us, but look how he does it. He does it sometimes with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Amplified says, he pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Groanings that are sometimes so deep that you can't even put utterance to it. It cannot, it doesn't even come out in words. There is a verse of scripture in um, Jeremiah that speaks about bewail. And when you study it out, it talks about gasp for, a gasping for breath. There are places that speaking in tongues even is still, it's a language and you are actually speaking words, whether they be words of angels, whether they be words of man, whether it be heavenly or not. It is still words. But here we're talking about a place that is in groanings that cannot be uttered. We're talking about gasp of air. We're talking about, we're talking about um, unspeakable yearnings and groanings that are too deep for utterance. Well, I believe that tongues is, the, is what takes you there. It's the Holy Ghost that takes you there and he will use tongues as a vehicle to get you there. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the man of the spirit. The Holy Ghost knows what is the mind of God. He knows the deep counsels of God. But he also knows what is in the heart of man. Here is this person that is in a backslidden place. Or here is this person that in our minds we may even see as being reprobate and unreachable. But God, the Holy Ghost, knows what is in them. And he can search within them and find out exactly what is in them and what can be used to reach them. And he knows whatever is in God. So that if there's a situation, he knows what is the will of God. He knows what is the provision of God. He knows what Jesus has already done to fix that situation. So he that searches the hearts, whether it be your heart, the heart of man, or the heart of God, he knows. Say the Holy Ghost knows. He that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to God, according to the truth. According to the will of God. And we know that all that he makes intercession for 
according to the will of God, we know that it will work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Furthermore, we also, it also says, because for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. So even in all of the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, it is, to, it is always to the end result of being conformed to the very person of Christ. It is always to the end point of causing that life of Christ to be made manifest, to become unveiled, for you and I to function in that. If it's in the case of the lost, for that person to be born again. If it is a believer that is perhaps in a, in a shaky place, it's for them to mature. If it is a believer that might even be somewhat mature, but needs to come up to a higher place, it's always to be conformed to Christ, to bring forth Christ. It is the will of God and the love of God that has sent Jesus to the cross is manifested in this. Not only in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, but according to 1 John 4, 9, herein is the love of God manifest that we might live the very life of Christ and that the very life of Christ might be lived in you and through you. Amen? And the Holy Ghost is always working to the end of the purposes of God. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Hallelujah. But sometimes in order to get to those deeper places, there are some of those places we don't even know as we ought to know. But the Holy Ghost knows. Say the Holy Ghost knows. And he is here to get the will of God for you and for me and to cause it to become our reality, our experience, our victory. Glory to God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19 says, and you don't need to turn to it. It says, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Amen. And sometimes that standard has to be lifted up, that needs to be lifted up, is done by the spirit of God as we yield to him. Now, what is that standard? Isaiah 49, verse 22. And again, for the sake of time, um, you can't talk, turn to all these scriptures. But in Isaiah 49, verse 22, it says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles to set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring their sons in their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. God says, I will lift up a standard. That standard that God wants to lift up in your life and my life and in the church is Christ. Christ himself is the standard. The hope of glory. Christ himself is the standard. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say, Christ himself is the standard. That is why we are to be conformed to him. You see, when Jesus is lifted up, when Christ comes forth, sickness and disease cannot stay. Storms are silence. Are you with me? The dead is raised because he is resurrection life. So the standard that God lifts up over all the nations to bring them to himself is Christ himself. That's the standard. But in order to get there at times, we don't know how to do that. But the Holy Ghost does. Say the Holy Ghost knows. And tongues is what he's going to use to take us along that pathway into deeper realms, whether it be groanings, whether it be bewailing, whether it be whatever else it might be, unspeakable speech. Hallelujah. In Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. At this point, all I'm trying to say is that there are some deeper places in the realm of prayer that can get where great things can be accomplished. But, and the Holy Ghost knows how to get those things accomplished, and he wants us to cooperate with him. Amen? He wants us to yield to him. 
Ezekiel chapter 47. Let me just read it. Let's get, let's get the, 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 the mental the picture of this more than the... Uh, we're not looking at this from a prophetic standpoint of what is to come or anything like that. Or Israel or anything like that. But, but I, want you to, I want us to see... Well, what is the word they use? Um, but I want you to get the, to get the, the picture of, of the whole thing. Read it for verse 47. 47 verse 1. Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold... Waters were ensuing from underneath the threshold of the house. Eastward. And for the front of the house stood towards the east. And the waters came down from under the, the right side of the house. And to the south side of the altar. Then brought he out of the way. Then brought he out of the way of the gate north, northward. And led me about the way without unto the outer gate by the way that looked eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on, on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through waters. The waters were up to the ankles. Say the ankles. And he measured a thousand. And he brought me through the waters. They went a little bit deeper. And the waters were now up to the knees. Say the knees. And again, they went a little bit deeper, and he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters, and there, the waters were to the loins, to the loins. Afterwards, he measured a thousand, they went up a little further, and it was a river now. The Bible speaks in Isaiah, in Psalm 46 and verse 4, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Jesus said in, Psalm, in um, Matthew chapter Matthew, sorry, in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, he says, every man that is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. And the Bible says, this spake he of, of, the, of, of, the, the, this spake he of the spirit which they were going to receive, those that believe. Rivers, say rivers. But now you have all these rivers, and what's going to happen? Verse, verse 5. After he measured a thousand with the river, and I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swimming, a river that could not be passed over. In other words, then, it was no longer to the ankles or the knees or the loins, it was above your head. That means you can, no, you can no longer stand on your own feet, you can no longer depend on your own ability. You now have to literally swim in this river and be carried by that river. Are you with me? But this only happened when you went out a little bit deeper. Say deeper. deeper. Hallelujah. And he said unto me, Son of man, verse 6, Hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and he caused me to return to the brink of the river. And when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out towards the east country, and they go down into the desert, and they go into the sea, being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. Look what is going to happen. Where there, was, where there was sickness, where there was disease, where there was contamination, healing is taking place. Why? Because of this river. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers, say rivers. Out of your belly flows, flows a river of living water when you flow in the Holy Ghost. But when all of us come together, with each of us having a river, and these rivers all come together, it becomes a flood. And the Bible says when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. But we got to get a river flowing. 
Amen? And everywhere that the river goes, and there shall be great multitudes of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Look at that. Doesn't that sound like revival? Doesn't that multitude of fish? Where there was death, there was life. Where there was oppression, there's no freedom. Everything being reconciled to God's original intent. Fulfillment is being brought to pass in the earth for what is already accomplished in heaven. What Jesus has already done on the cross. Where by the blood of his cross, he's reconciled all things unto himself. Hallelujah. Amen. But how do these things happen? The Holy Ghost got to take us there. Yeah. Amen? But he has to take us. We got to cooperate with him. We got to yield to him. Yeah. We are talking about deeper realms of prayer. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Let me just read it. And it says, and this is the Galatian church. If you know, if you remember, the Galatian church was, was a little bit shaky. Man, some of them were backsliding into the law and legalism, weren't they? Amen. Paul had to tell him that, look, if any man come to you with any other gospel other than the gospel that I'm preaching, this gospel of Christ in you, the hope of glory, this gospel of grace, let him be accursed. Paul had to say that kind of thing to this group. In other words, even though they were born again and more than likely filled with the Holy Ghost, yet they were operating in some levels of carnality and they weren't mature and they were falling back into legalism and they were walking by sight rather than by faith. And they weren't, they weren't awake to the reality of the fact that they are the new creation. And it is only the new creation that availeth. It is the power of the cross that availeth. They weren't, they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't there. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, My little children, of whom I prevail in birth again. That means he must have done it before. Until Christ be formed in you. He says, look, this Galatian church, he says, man, I'm prevailing over you again for Christ to be formed in you. It's not good enough that you're born again. And that if any man is born again, that Christ dwells in him and in his spirit. He says, that's not good enough. What needs to happen is that Christ needs to dwell in you. He needs to come and dominate your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your actions, your attitudes, your speaking. And because you are not matured and you're being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, Paul says the way I'm gonna I'm endeavoring to fix this is not just by, by praying a nice sweet prayer for you, and it's not only by ministering you and speaking to you the word of God which ought to be done, but he says I'm going further than that. I am prevailing again, prevailing as a woman in, in labor. What for? To bring forth. Now that issue of prevailing, that's another realm of prayer. Are you with me? And here we see prevailing in relationship to causing the maturity of the saints. How many of you, don't you know believers that have been around in the body of Christ for a long time, but yet they're still tossed to and fro? Do you not know people that have been in the body for a long time, but yet they're still suffering from some particular addiction and bondage, and they're not into freedom and liberty that Jesus has paid for them to have? And yet they have sat under the word. They know the scriptures. Why? What's wrong? Maybe in that case, it's more than just the teaching of the word. Maybe in that case, there needs to be, there's a need to travail, glory to God. 
You see, the reason I'm talking about this is because we need to go out deeper. We need to get into a place where there are things in our lives, in the lives of people, the things that God wants to take place in the earth that the Holy Ghost knows how to get done. But he needs you to come out a little deeper to cooperate with him and to allow him to take you into that place where you, the body of Christ, that is responsible for where the head goes, will give the head what is necessary. You see, the head can only go where the body goes. It doesn't matter that the, that the head is the fullness of God that fill it all in all. No matter that the head is Christ who has all power both in heaven and in earth. The head can't go where the body doesn't take it. The head is limited by what the body does or don't do. Isn't that right? You see, we have a thing that says where we will say, well, God needs, I mean, I, mean, um, I need him and he doesn't need me. In other words, the head can live without, the, I mean, God can do without me. Jesus can do without me. Well, really, really, let, let, let's stop for a minute here. Would you say that your head could do without your body? In other words, God could do without me, but I can't do without him. Well, okay. Can you do without, you, you can probably do without the, the body. Can the body do without the head? No. Can the head do without the body? No. They need one another. And that is why the body of Christ creates a limitation for God. That's why it says in Psalm 78 verse 41 oh, that you have limited the Holy One. You have limited the Most High God. Think about what an abomination it is when God Almighty with all of his wisdom, with all of his power, with all that he has and all that he is, he is, he is limited by our unbelief, by our lack of cooperation. And he would like to get this all wrapped up really soon. And Jesus returned. But you know what's holding him back? Our cooperation or lack thereof. There are many people that need to be saved even in your own family. And it is not God's will that they should perish. But that they should come to repentance. That they should not remain in that place of bondage and captivity. But you know what's holding him back? Could it be your lack of cooperation and flowing with him? This is not to play a guilt trip on you, but it is to, this is to, so that we could come and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Show me. Amen. He wants victory, salvation, deliverance, nations coming into the, coming into the kingdom of God much more than you and I. He wants to see your family members saved more than you want to see them saved. He wants you to be free in areas where you have bondage more than you even want the freedom. And the person of the Holy Ghost knows how to get that done. Are you with me? Now again, but here you see Paul says, I prevail again, that Christ might be formed in them. I am Isaiah chapter 42. Says prevail. Isaiah 42, verse 14 and 16. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 42, verse um, sorry, yeah, 14. I just want to catch this word prevail for a little bit. I have long time hold my peace. I've been still. I've refrained myself. Will I cry like a travailing woman? I will destroy and devour at once. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs and I will make the rivers islands and I will dry up the pools. Look what is prevailing. Look what happens when he decides I'm not going to stay silent anymore but I'm going to cry like a travailing woman. What's going to happen? Destroy at once the mount and make waste the mountains and the hills. 
What is the mountains and the hills? Do you have some mountains and the hills in your life that need to be made flow? Do you have some valleys that need to be exalted? Are there some crooked places that need to be made straight? Are there some rough places that need to be made smooth? When it is the anointing and the glory of the Lord, it is the power of God that can do that. Amen? But he says that this is going to come through prevailing. Which is to say this prevailing, not only will it cause the maturing of the saints, but this prevailing can cause mountains and hills to be removed. It can cause deliverances to take place. It can cause miracles and signs and wonders that we've never known before. Hallelujah. Could it be that a lack of signs and wonders is because there's a lack not only of prayer, yes, but prayer in that deeper realm? Could that be the reason that we have churches that are so stagnant, that we have so little happening? We only hear about these things. We only talk about these things. But the people are saying, where is this God? Where is this God that divides the Red Sea? Where is this God that raises the dead? Where is this God that says to the mountain, be removed? Where is this God that, that goes into the fire? Where is this God that does all these things? Okay, I heard this person got healed. This person got delivered. This one was set free from that. But I haven't seen it. The glory of the Lord needs to be risen upon us so that it could be seen. There are people that will not come to the knowledge of God until they can taste and see through your life that the Lord is good. That is why the Bible says we are the children of light and our light is so, so, is to so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit has come, he's going to take what's mine and he is going to unveil it. He is going to reveal it. He's going to guide you into all truth. And what's mine, he's going to make it real to you. Why? That he might be glorified. All that the Father has is mine. And when the Holy Ghost does that, Jesus says he is glorified. When we do the works and the greater works, he is glorified. Are you with me? He is honored. What I'm trying to do is provoke you that we don't be comfortable where you are. We've got to go all deeper. We've got to launch out in the deep. You can't catch much fish here at the edges. You got to go out there in the deep, in the spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isaiah 66, glory to God. Isaiah 66, reading verse 7 and 8. Before she prevailed... She brought forth. Before her pain came, she delivered of a man child. I don't know how many mothers are here today. How many mothers are out there <laughs> on the live stream? But my guess is every mother out there that has delivered a child had some level of travail. The child was not just brought forth without some kind of travailing and some measure of pain. Are you with me? Who had heard such a thing? Who had seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? God is saying, yes, I would love to have a nation be born at once. However, how does it happen? As soon as Zion prevailed, she brought forth her children. That is talking about prevailing that will cause nations to come into the kingdom of God. Think about it. Think about it. Now, if these scriptures are true, we should not be satisfied with where we are. And if we think that these scriptures are not true, then we are calling God a liar. And in which case, if we say these scriptures are not true, then we are saying 
that whatever God says about himself is not so, and that's not so, and we are creating a God that is not this God. And if you're creating any kind of God that is not this God, you've got an idol. Isn't that right? You're creating a God of your own imagination. You're creating a God according to your own believing, rather than according to it is written. And it is written that yes, a nation can come forth in a day, but it's going to cause, it's only going to happen when Zion prevails. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, you remember it talks about, I'm just what am I say? There are deeper places. to deeper places. In the realm of prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, put on the whole arm of God and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying always. How, how many of you can pray the word of God always? And nothing else. You can only do that by the Holy Ghost. You can only do that in tongues. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication for all saints. Well, well, well. Now, you not only are you praying the word of God always in all manner of prayer and supplication, but for all saints. How can you pray for all saints? Do you know who all saints are? I don't. I don't. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost does. said the Holy Ghost knows. And he can, by the, by the Spirit, he can, as we pray to him, as he takes us out to the areas of travail, man, he can, he can cause a nation that you don't know, somebody that is way out someplace, that is about to be destroyed, but with some particular situation, he can bring you to travail and cause that person to be delivered, and you don't find out about it until you get to heaven. And you could be watching, therefore, in prayer, with all prayer and supplication for that particular saint and for that person's deliverance. Even though you don't know them, I don't know a thing about it. But that's what tongues is for. To, to, so that you can pray about those things that you know not what to pray for, much less how you ought to pray as you ought to pray. Amen? You know, um, there was a great man of God that said one time that God is calling us to a deeper realm of prayer in these last days. And he says that that means that we need to train ourselves to be sensitive to the Spirit of God so that we can learn how to yield to him. Tongues is a vehicle by which we can yield to the Holy Spirit and let him take us deeper. Amen? And as we were saying before, God is limited by our prayer life. Jesus says, all power has been given unto me, both in heaven and in earth, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. But immediately... All the power has been given to me, both in heaven and earth. And immediately he turned around and delegated that authority to his disciples that by saying, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. He is the head, we are the body. The head doesn't act apart from the body. The head cannot exercise any authority except through your body. Amen? As I was saying this earlier, I'm going to repeat it. Some people will say that the Lord doesn't need me, but I need him. Sounds humble, doesn't it? The Lord doesn't need me, but I need him. <laughs> and it does sound humble. But it's really like saying, my head doesn't need my body, but my body needs the head. That's, that, that's different. <laughs> no, they both need each other, okay? All right. So tongues is that beacon that the Holy Spirit will use to bring us into those deeper realms of prayer. Now, what I'm going to do... Um, some time ago, we talked on the subject of tongues and da 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 da, da and so on and so forth. In fact, there's a sheep in the back there that has 30 reasons for tongues, okay? Um, and it's a teaching, it's a long teaching with a three-part teaching. But I am going to, oh, let me say this. And for those online and for those here, 
um, you can get this teaching, or at least you can get this here, these 30,000 reasons for tongues, by, by having downloading our app, PLMHCA, you go to the app store, load, download PLMHCA app, and once you have that app, <coughs> are you going to see that there? Once you have that app, then you just go to articles, and you will find the article, 30 reasons for tongues. But anyway, for the next 10 minutes or so, I'm just going to share a couple of those reasons for tongues. Just so, and, and I shouldn't, I, I don't actually, the word reasons is weak. I'll share the importance of tongues. Let's put it that way. Amen? Now, I'm going to do it quickly. I'm not getting into this here. Promise. You believe me? Come on, you believe me? I need your faith for this. <laughs> All right? I need your faith. You need to release your faith that I am not going to go, that I'm going to concise this and I'm not going to go off and preach to them. If you don't release your faith and I go off and preach to them, it's your fault. Amen? <laughs> All right, so let's go. couple reasons for tongues. I'm not going to number them, but one of them is, first of all, speaking in tongues is, is, um, it is evidence that you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and therefore, it encourages you. Number two, it also makes you conscious of God's indwelling presence. And that issue of your consciousness is a critical one for your Christian life. You need to know that you are in continual communion and fellowship with, with God. You need to know that. Because anytime you have a sense of separation from him, that is where you become vulnerable. Number three, it anchors you in the truth of your unbroken fellowship with God. Number four, praying in tongues is a means, and this one is very important, it is a means by which you literally turn yourself over to the prayer ministry of the Holy Spirit and allow him to pray for you and through you. Can you imagine some great man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, Kenneth Hagen, or some particular man of God, some intercessor that you really respect, and he was with you 24 hours a day, and he would pray for you, he'll pray with you. He, wouldn't that be wonderful? But you've got someone greater than that. You have the Holy Ghost. And so what happened is when you're praying in tongues, you were putting yourself in the hands of the Holy Spirit so that he can pray for you and he can pray through you. Say amen. amen. Now when you pray in tongues, number five, you are praying accurately by the Holy Spirit, accurately according to the will of God. Amen? You're praying according to the will of God. Psalm 138 verse 8 says that he perfects that which concerns you. Right? And again, he that searches the heart knows what is the man and spirit. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that whatever he's making intercession about, that will work together for good for them that love God and are calling for his purpose. Amen? Praise the Lord. Number six. You are praying the word of God only. Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. That's what you're doing. You're praying the word of God only. You're not, just, you're not praying the reasoning of men. You're not praying with the biases that we all have. Number seven, you are able to make effective intercession for others. And even for people that you don't know. For all the saints. Number eight, praying in tongues is, is, is not. This is also very important. God has all kinds of power, doesn't he? But tongues is God's delivery system to deliver power to you so that it can bring forth change. That's the reason why Jesus said to the disciples, okay, you're born again, you're happy, you're, you're wonderful. Hey, don't, don't run out there yet. Wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It is God's system by which he delivers power to you and as a result through you. To bring forth change. Change not only on the outside, but change on the inside. Change where your soul and where your body is concerned. Amen? Number nine. It is a means of building yourself up. 
First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 says, He that prays in an unknown sound, he edifies himself. He builds himself up. He charges himself up like a battery. And, and uh, another version says um, that, 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 that he makes spiritual progress. It's a building up of yourself. Now, because of the fact that it, it, it builds you up, if I could jump here, because it builds you up, it builds you up, and then what happened, and this is number whatever it is, where were we at, where were we at, number 10 now. Because of that, as a result, you become um, more available to God to function in the other gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, working of miracles, gifts of healing, um, gifts of faith, tongues, tongues for interpretation, congregational interpretation of tongues and prophecies. So you're being built up by spending time in, in, in that prayer tongue, uh, in, in your devotional tongue, building yourself up in the presence of God and praying and worship, builds you up so that now you can operate in these other nine gifts that are for the building up of the body and the help of other people. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. Number, number 11. It also will enhance this, it will enhance the spiritual power for ministry. So that when you speak words, your words aren't flat. You don't just take a scripture and, and, and um, you know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And there is no power in your words. And power not because you're shouting, but power because it's filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Amen? So that, it, it, in other words, it, it interacts with the anointing and empowers you for ministry. Number 11. Well, it simulates the anointing. Isaiah chapter 10 verse, verse 27 says, the anointing breaks the yoke and removes the burden, etc. Um, well, that was not, I think that was number 12. Anyway, number 13. It increases your awareness of where you live in Christ. You need to be continually aware that you are not here. You know, you know people, we have a saying, um, um, you know, how are you doing, man? I'm under the weather. What are you doing under there? <laughs> right. You're supposed to be seated at the Father's right hand. You were raised up together and made to sit together with the heavenly places. You are in Christ. I mean, it makes you aware, it will make you aware of where you are in Christ and your position. Number 14, praying in tongues will bring you experientially into God's rest. Jesus is, the Bible says, in, 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 um, that there's a, there remains a place of rest for the children of God. Well, it brings you into that place. Hebrews 4, verse 10. Um, Zechariah 28, 11 and 12, etc., etc. Number 15. It produces physical strength and rejuvenation. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12 says, With stammering lips will I speak to this people. And this is the refreshing. This is the rest whereby I will cause the weary to rest. Um... Acts 3 verse 19 says, repent and be converted and, be, and, and set free from your sins that the times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. You could spend time praying in tongues. Man, you could be at work and you're, I mean, and you're just like, oh man, when is this going to ever, when is this shift going to finish? You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh. And the day seems so long. Well, slip away. Go to the washroom for a few minutes. And when you get in the washroom, go, oh, and next thing you come out and you all, you all bounce back. You got a new set of energy. It will refresh you. It will strengthen you. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is also important. Praying in tongues will build you up in the place where unbelief is born. Unbelief is born in your soul. Unbelief is born in, in, in that reasoning realm. Well, the Bible says you can build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude verse 20. Number, 19, number 17, praying in tongues will put pressure on your soul to line up with your spirit, to line up with the word of God. When you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the Bible says when you do that, you, when, you, when you do that, you are literally reinforcing, you're releasing joy that will empower you in the realm of your soul. Many times when you get oppressed and depressed and, and, all, and weighed down, it's because somehow or the other, your joy kind of leaked out. Amen? And instead of abounding in thanksgiving, you find yourself griping and complaining, and all the time you don't, you're not aware of it, but it's wearing you down. But you begin to speak in tongues. You begin to sing in tongues. You begin to bless the Lord. You're singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What would happen? There's a time of refreshing that will come, and it will empower you in that area of your soul. Amen? And cause your soul to say, hey! Get out of that. Line up and line up with the word of God. And, and, and instead of griping, you begin to abound in thanksgiving. And Isaiah 57 verse 19 speaks about there, about a joy and, and thanksgiving that's bubbling up. Say bubbling up. Do this. <laughs> Amen. Number 18. It builds you up in your most holy faith. When your faith is operating, you see, sometimes your faith sometimes gets contaminated with unbelief. Well, it will wash some of that unbelief and impurities out. Amen? Let me move on. Praying in tongues will keep you in the love of God. Um, Jude 21 says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, keeping yourself in the love of God. Many times, there are things that want to pull you into, into, into a selfish arena where you stay in tongues and it, and, and it will insulate you. It will, it will keep you in that place of keeping you in the love of God and shutting down the selfish motivations and impulses. Number 20, praying in tongues can insulate your thinking from the influences of others. Sometimes you're in an environment where there is so much garbage around you. What do you do? The Bible says just speak to yourself and God quietly. Just spend some time and even though there's all this stuff, you chop it all off and there you are. You're just fellowshipping with God in the midst of the environment. And what you saw, and by so doing, you protect yourself and you insulate your mind from all that unbelief, all that negativity, all that condemnation, all that contamination that could pull you down. Number 21, praying in tongues is the most effective way of praising God. First Corinthians 14, 17 says you give God thanks well. You can pray, praise and magnify God beyond your intellect. 22, it's a practical way for you to be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. 23, it delivers you from error and deception. 24, it helps you to access the wisdom of God and to access the very mind of Christ. That's why Paul says that your, Paul says I came to you not in the demonstration of, not, not in man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power, that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 25, tongues is a doorway into revelation knowledge. I believe that one of the reasons um, Paul says I pray in tongues more than you all, when Paul was moving from, from this place to that place, from Ephesus to, 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 to Corinth or wherever, all the way as they were walking, and the Paul was probably praying in tongues so much all the day long. He says I pray in tongues more than you all. Now when he gets home and he decides to just go to sleep, all of a sudden the interpretation begins to come up come up in his spirit, and as it comes up, in his mind he says, I better get that pen. And he begins to dictate some stuff. Next thing you know, we've got an epistle. 
epistle of the to, to, to the Corinthians, epistle to the Galatians, epistle to to um to who to Philippians, and I believe that where Paul got most of his epistles. It was in that time that, God, that all of a sudden God revealed to him what exactly that communion was all about. Amen. Revelation knowledge will come come as a result of you spending time in tongues. Number 26, praying in tongues can help you to locate exactly where God, the Holy Ghost, lives on the inside of you. And when you know that this is where the Holy Spirit speaks, he's not speaking here, he's not speaking here, but he's speaking right here, then you can pay attention and listen. All right? You know where to listen. Also, number 27, praying in tongues will fine-tune you and make you spiritually alert so to speak, and make you spiritually alert to the voice of God, etc. It will also, number 28, it will deliver you from the domination of your flesh and from character flaws, help you to overcome those weaknesses. 29, it will release the fire of God for purification and it will help you overcome character flaws. Number 30, praying in tongues will strengthen you with the inflexibility to temptation. And then number 31, which is not on there, it, um, it is a means by which you can learn to wait on the Lord. We'll come to that another time. But let's continue. Well, here we are. Okay. Hello, are you there? So the, 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 the importance of tongues. Now, in fact, let me, let me pick it out right now. The issue of waiting. Now, Isaiah chapter 64, you're going to have to hear me here now. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, well, let me go to 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But Paul was quoting from Isaiah 64 verse 4, where it says from the very beginning, I has not seen, nor has ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that wait on him. And it's called loving God, waiting on God. Jeremiah 31 verse 19 says basically the same thing. The goodness that God has in store for them that Fear him. So this issue of, in other words, then, praying in tongues is a means by which you are waiting on the Lord. Now let me explain this. The word waiting is like being interwoven. It's like being entwined with God. It's like here is the Holy Ghost and he says, here I am. Let's do this together. And you literally become entwined with him. He becomes the strength. And then together, he can now take you places. So in the waiting on the Lord, it's not just... Mm -hmm. No, it, it, there is a, and tongue can bring you into that place, where you're so interwoven with him. And in, and in that place, there are tremendous benefits. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, verse 18, that God is waiting to be gracious unto them that will wait on him. Amen? Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31 says, uh, um, says um, let me just read it. Isaiah 40, verse 29 says, He gave it power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increased strength. The youths, they faint, they become weary. The young men, they shall utterly fall, because they're depending on their own strength. But the strength of the Holy Ghost is not limited. But they that wait upon the Lord, gets that unlimited strength and might of the Holy Ghost to infuse them. They that wait upon the Lord are not like the young ones that faint. They are not like the ones that become weary. They are not like the young men that utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. And they mount up with wings as eagles. So that they are able to run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And when you don't faint, you reap. Amen? When you don't faint, you reap. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. So that's very, very important. So what we see is that um, 
Tongues is a means by which you can wait on the Lord and a tremendous promise is connected up to waiting on the Lord. Tongues is also a place where you can be refreshed. Isaiah 28 verse 11 and 12 says, it is at this time of refreshing. It is a place of rest. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 11 28 when he says, all you that labor and are heavily laden, come on to me and I will give you what? Rest. How do you get there? He says, come on to me if you're thirsty and out of your belly and drink and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That coming to him, that waiting with the Holy Ghost brings you into that place of rest. Say rest. In addition to that, now in Acts 3 and verse 19, it speaks about repenting, which means having a change of mind and lining up with the truth of God's word and not being in that place of separation. And then it says when you do that, there's a time of refreshing that will come from the presence of the Lord. But you see that alignment, tongues will cause you to become aligned with God, to become aligned with him. And then out of that, here comes the presence of the Lord and a refreshing. Now, regarding the presence of the Lord, in his presence, it says in Psalms 73, verse 17, that's where I begin to understand certain things. Psalms 77, 13 says in his presence, in his sanctuary, that's where he shows me his way. Sometimes there are areas in your life, you need direction. You don't know what to do. You don't know what is the next step to take. Well, get into his presence, and in his presence, that's where he'll show you. And tongues is a means by which you can get into that place, get into that place of his presence where he can show you his way. Now, here's another very important thing about tongues. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 7, 64, 7. And that's interesting, because Isaiah 64, 4 was the one that says um, what he has prepared for us from before the foundation of the world. And then verse 7 says, but there is none that stirs up himself to take a hold of me. There is none that calls upon me. And God says, it's like I got all this stuff for you. But there's nobody that is stirring himself up to get a hold of me. Tongues is a means by which you can stir yourself up to get a hold of God. Hallelujah. Amen? All right. Now, um, how much time do I have? Right, I'll use it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me give you some practicals. Some practical things. And this is where you want to get notes or else get, a, get this tape. Here are some practical things that you can do that will help you to go deeper. What do I mean practical? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says bodily exercise profits a little. But godly exercise is profitable unto all things. So I'm going to give you some godly exercises. Amen. That will cause you to become trim <laughs> and develop muscle. Say, Holy Ghost muscle. Oh, here it is. Number one, pray a little longer. Pray a little longer. In other words, just when you feel like quitting, stay a little longer. Now, I, 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 I will, let me, I, oh, rashikable. Second case, let me just give you some, I, I need to give you some stories here. How many of you like stories? You like stories? Hello? You like stories? Okay, say, pray a little longer. Okay. In Second Chronicles chapter 13, um, reading from verse 14, what had happened is Elisha was getting ready, he was going to die soon. And you know, Elisha had walked with a lot of anointing. And the king of Israel came to see Elijah before he died, so that Elijah might bless him. And so, and the, at, at that time, Israel's number one enemy was, was, um, was Syria, I think it was. Yeah, it was Syria. So the king came, the king of Israel came to Elijah to say, well, um, you know, could you bless me? And um, so, the, so, and Elijah, okay, verse 16. 
And he says, he said unto him, take your bow and your arrow. And he took it upon him, and he took unto him a bow and arrow. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elijah put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he, and he said, the hours of the Lord's deliverance, the hour of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syria in Apec, till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrow. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite it upon the ground. And he smote three times, and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have smitten it five or six times, but, uh, but, and you would have, you would have smitten Syria, and they would have been consumed. But because you haven't, Syria will survive. You only hit them three times. And because of that, they're going to survive, and they're going to be a thorn in your side. And quite frankly, they still are to this day. What is the point? In other words, then he struck the arrow three times. If he had struck it some more, he would have smothered the enemy completely. But this is what I'm saying. Sometimes in prayer, we pray kalabarongo, and we spend some time in prayer, and the next thing we pray, okay, all right, that's it. I got to go. And then just and then you stop. But that right is within you when you need it to go just a little bit longer. You don't know. It's like digging for gold. How many times we've heard of a story, somebody dig for gold, and then they stop, and they quit. And then somebody come later on and dig that same spot a couple of few more feet and get a whole bunch of gold or a whole bunch of oil. <laughs> it's the same thing. So you need to practice going a little bit further. Say a little bit further. Number two, you've got to learn to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it happens in little ways. I mean, you might be, you might be getting ready to leave the... To, matter of fact, you might be getting ready to leave the house, right? And... Um, Maybe you might, you might have a set of keys, for instance. You might have a set of keys that you don't carry with you. And the Holy Spirit prompts you to take those keys with you. And your brain thinks, ah, ah, and just go on. Next thing you know, later on, sometime that day, those set of keys that you didn't carry with you, you ended up needing it. How many of you had that happen to you? Where the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something and you didn't do it. Well, it's the same thing. Sometimes he will prompt you into places of prayer. You just stop what you're doing and you go do it. There was a story, you know the story when Moses was there in Exodus chapter 3, and then he saw this bush that was burning, right? And the Bible says he turned aside to see, well, what is this? And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, that when God saw that Abraham, that Moses turned aside, God spoke. And God says, take off your shoes, for the, for the ground is holy ground. And then you know the rest of the story. But what would have happened if he didn't turn aside? God noticed that he turned aside. God noticed when you stop what you're doing to give him attention. And there are times you have to learn, especially with the prompting of the Holy Spirit to turn aside. You see that globe up there? I'll tell you where that came from. On the 11th of February, 2000, sorry, 1997, um, my wife and I, she had just come back from a meeting, and there were some things that happened in the meeting that wasn't nice. And we had gotten home, and she, so she began to tell me about it. And I thought, and it was really not nice, say not nice. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's pray. Right? And stopped and turned aside to pray. Very just pray and just begin to pray the word. Strength is made perfect in weakness. And as we and as we begin to pray, as I begin to pray, all of a sudden something supernaturally began to happen, and my arm literally became like steel, physical steel. Where if you had gotten a two by four and whacked it against my heart, my hand, that two by four was gonna break. My whole body became like that. And then in that time, the tongue changed and it became a very strange, 
butterfly sounding, like butterflies flying kind of thing. And then what happened? And then out of that came that vision. And then I saw this, I saw this tree grow out to the globe, etc., etc., and all those things that happened. Would that have happened if I didn't stop and turn aside? That's why sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes people ask us to pray, and we say, okay, I'll, okay, I'll remember you in prayer. <laughs> and many times you don't remember them in prayer. Sometimes it's if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, they're not all every time you can do it, but if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, grab their hand and pray right there and then. Amen? Don't leave it to chance and memory. So what I'm saying is, the issue of turning aside is a very, very practical thing. And I don't know what it is about it that pleases God, that causes him to that gets his attention and causes him to do something special. But you never know when. So why not develop the habit? Amen? Number three, take time to praise and worship God. The Bible says when you, the Bible says when, uh, uh, when you pray in tongues, when you sing in tongues, you give thanks well. First Corinthians 14 verse 17. And Paul also says, I will sing in the spirit and I will sing with my understanding also. I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with my understanding also. In your own time, you've got to take some time. And in your privacy, you see, many times we pray in tongues with everybody else and maybe we pray in the car here and there. But we don't take time to get ourselves alone in the closet and just spend time with the Lord. Limbo, lena namo, rebenshikileno, urababale, tukurabedera barumba, yemoni kalabayana takoshete kabaha, yembaruma, yerebesukurena nanama. And begin to praise and worship God in tongues. Because what happens? You see, when you begin to do that, you bring yourself into a fellowship and an intimacy with him, and out of that, he empowers you. Amen? Number four, Paul says, I'll pray in the Spirit, I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit, and I'll sing with my understanding. And he said, pray that you might interpret. I believe it is literally, there are times, even in praise and worship, Pastor Don might be, be singing in tongues, and then she go off in English. She doesn't stop to say, well, you know, this is the interpretation. Because somehow we're not trained to do that, at least not in the realm of singing. But many times that interpretation might come immediately after is actually an interpretation of what is being spoken of in tongues. There are times that I'm preaching, and, I'm a, and especially if I get stuck. <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate sometimes you get stuck. And you're preaching, and all of a sudden you lost your thought. And you get stuck as where to go. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes the Holy Ghost to show you where you need to go. That could very well be an interpretation of what you were praying in tongues. And in your, so in your private time, practice that. You're praying in tongues, and not all the time, but especially when you notice something is happening, when you sense something is going on in your tongues. Pray that you might interpret. And then by faith, go and interpret your own tongues, and you will hear things that you would have never heard before. You're going to get understanding and revelation that you didn't know. There are some things that I have gotten that way. Amen? I'll, um, come, I'll um, come back to that. Number, no, no, no. This is really very practical. Be sensitive in a time of prayer and, and recognize when shifts take place. What do I mean? There are times you're praying in tongues, right? By yourself and you're praying. And a lot of the times, a lot of the times when you're praying in tongues, all you're doing, and I shouldn't say all you're doing, I'm not putting it down, it's important. First Corinthians 14, verse 2 says you're speaking to God, how be it in the spirit, you speak mysteries and you speak and so on and so forth. And so you might just be praying and talking to God. But then it also says you might and you and you building yourself up. Sometimes you're praying in your devotional tongue is simply building yourself up. 
But then there are times when you're praying in tongues, and as you are praying in tongues, an unction comes, an anointing comes, and the tongue either changes or it becomes stronger, and it's like a new power comes on your tongue. So that here, here you are, and I'm just trying to demonstrate it. And then all of a sudden, as I'm praying in my normal tongue, all of a sudden, it begins to shift, and it goes, Now, I know from, the, from practice, you learn, and you recognize that there's an unction there, there's an empowerment there. There is something outside of yourself, so that it takes less effort. And you recognize that at that time, that number one, you may no longer be praying for yourself and edifying yourself, but you might have shifted into a place of intercession. Are you with me? You don't get, oh, it's only five minutes, <laughs> right? Time goes by. And in that place, now you're over in the intercession, that is, when, that is when you can stay longer, and that is when you ought to stay until there is either a break, some sense of victory, some sense of thanksgiving, where you and all of a sudden, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's just kind of bubbling up, and then you recognize that that phase is done. Amen? So that's, that's um, so recognize those shifts that take place, and look uh, to, to recognize the difference between praying for your personal edification and moving into intercession. It's very important. Somebody's life might depend on it. Number six, stay in tongues until that shift takes place. Number seven, now this again is practical. Learn to listen as you pray in tongues. You know, like, I must say, I'm not against shouting, all right? Except if you believe that your shouting is going to cause power, or if you think your shouting is going to cause God to hear, or if you think your shouting is going to affect the devil, then I got a problem with that. You understand that? Because authority shouting is not authority, and God is not deaf, God don't have a problem. Right? Okay? He knows your thoughts even. However, um, so, but at the same time, when you pray in tongues, and especially, uh, uh, you learn how to listen. Don't just go out there. Learn to listen in your spirit. Listen to what, and, and see if, because God can show you things. He said he will do that. When the Holy Ghost has come, did he say that? He will show you things to come. Is that true? Right? Well, let him show you. Look, you got to listen. Paul says in a couple of places, it seemed good to me, and it seemed to be the Holy, and, and to the Holy Ghost. Nowhere to listen, and it's right around here, between the second and third button. Know where that place is, and learn to listen. You develop it, you become better at it. Jesus put it this way. He says, watch and pray. Watch for what? Okay, the devil. <laughs> but it's to watch, to see what he will say. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, I will sit upon the wall. And I'm going to watch to see what he will say so that I can know what to answer when I am reproved. So learn to listen when you pray in tongues so that you can get the maximum out of it. That's so very critical. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 says about these end times, watch on to prayer. Which means um, the Amplified speaks about the business of prayer and being watchful and sober and alert in that time. Amen. Now, I know there are times where you can't do that when you're driving. Driving, you might pray in tongues, but it's in a different level. You need to keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> right? You know, but, but then you could even develop, even in that, you can learn how to pray in tongues as you read. You're reading the Word of God, and while you're reading or you're studying, you learn to pray in tongues somewhere in the back here and listen. Yeah, revelation comes over here. Okay, number eight. This again is very, everyone is important. <laughs> 
make love and compassion a priority in the praying of tongues. Because remember the Bible says, if I speak in the tongues of men and I have not love, what happens? What happens? It's not profitable. Make love and compassion an important aspect in your praying in tongues. And also, and especially now, especially in terms of prayer and intercession, for learn to follow the love of God. For instance, you might be praying about a situation or praying, you might just be praying, oh, you know, you're praying about, I don't know. And as you're praying, you begin to, somebody comes up in your heart maybe, and you just feel like a love towards them, you feel a compassion towards them. Follow that. That's the Holy Ghost sending you over there to pray for them. And you got to learn how to follow that. When you're praying congregationally, it's also important to learn how to follow follow that love. Recognize it when it shows up. And, 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 and Like I mean, for instance, let's say we were all here and, and it was time for ministry. Or, or I'm, I, and all of a sudden my heart goes out to somebody. Right? I need to recognize that because there's a, this might be simply saying that the Lord is saying I want to minister to that young man right there. Yeah, are, you, are you with me? But the same thing happens in the realm of prayer where you got to become sensitive to that and follow that love wherever it goes. You can't go wrong. Amen? Number nine, and I think this is good too. <laughs> Study and learn from people of prayer. People that have learned. I mean, don't get a Smith Wigglesworth book just to enjoy hearing how you raise the dead. Learn what he did. Amen? Find out, read books, listen to certain people, people that have a proven track record of success and, 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 and experience in that realm of prayer. And so people like Kenneth Hagen. And so and listen, read, study, and apply as much as you can. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know I'm out of time and I should stop here. But you know what? In all fairness, I'm going to stop here. And it looks like we're going to go one more week, perhaps, and then we'll finish this. Because this is where I want to go. How you can develop towns to become the default setting in your life. You know what I mean by default setting? You know what will happen before and then bam, it, it goes back to a certain setting? Where you can have tongues, but it's not going to happen just because you decide, I want to make tongues the default setting. So that when I don't know what I do, I just find myself praying in tongues. It's not going to happen, sister. not going to happen that way, brother. <coughs> Amen? But there are some things that you can do so to get to that place where tongues become the default setting. Won't you like that? Yes. Come on, won't you like that? Yes. If you won't like that, you can't get it. <laughs> right, but I believe, I know God likes that. Right? So Lord willing, we're going to pick up and we're going to do that next week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen? Alright, so what are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that you need to go deeper in the realm of prayer. The Holy Ghost knows how to take you there, but he's going to use tongues as the vehicle to get you there. But he has to have your cooperation and you got to be make yourself more available. You got to spend some more time in praying in tongues. And you got to be very specific and very on purpose about it and apply some of what you've heard today. Amen. And I'm trusting that by the Spirit of God that something has happened within you to ignite a, 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 a hunger, a passion, a desire, an awareness, an awakening to the fact that this there is more stuff out there than I'm aware of. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
And to walk by faith is to walk according to the truth in the unseen realm, not by what it looks like and feels like here. Amen? Glory to God. Father, we give you praise and glory and thanksgiving and honor. Let's stand. Bless your name forevermore. Lord, we worship you, we bless you, we magnify you. Oh, Spirit of God, there is none like you. You are so awesome, so wonderful. Lord, we are so thankful that you sent the Holy Ghost. It was Jesus, you said it was expedient, and it was to our advantage that the Holy Spirit will come, and that you would go and that you would send him. You are right. You are totally right. Thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit. Because there were things we were not going to be able to bear and understand and grasp. But now we've got the Holy Ghost. We are able to bear them. We are able to understand them. We are able to grasp them. And we are able to run with it. We thank you, Jesus, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know. I just want to say this to you. You know, again, going back to that thought about whether God needs us and so on and so forth. And we need God here is, here is the fact of the matter. You see, when Jesus, was, when Jesus left the Father's bosom to come here, to go to the cross and to die and to be slain, there was something incomplete where the Father was concerned. You know why? His son wasn't there. Amen. If you've had a child away, something is incomplete. They're not there. And so Jesus was not there and the Father was incomplete. And that's why Jesus says, man, look, I know you guys are crying and uh, and you're feeling sorrowful because that's I'm going to go away. But look, I'm going to my father and unto your father. Amen? I need to go back there. I miss him too. I want to go back there. And so when he went back, but then when he went back there, you know what happened? The Holy Ghost came. And they sent the Holy Ghost, proceeding from the Father and the Son. So now the Father still is not complete. Because now the Holy Ghost is gone. Amen? But then the Holy Ghost is going to go back. But you know what? You might think if the Holy Ghost goes back, they'll have the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and they're complete. No, 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 he still wouldn't be complete. Because you and I have been brought into that Godhead in the sense that we are his children. And without us, he's not complete. And so, you see that time when that time comes, he wipe away all tears? It's because at that time, he's going to be complete. We're going to have the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and his family. Amen? Amen. So God needs you as part of making him complete. I know that might sound sacrilegious, but receive it for what it's worth. God loves you with all of his heart, with all of his strength, with all of his might, with all of his means. And he wants you to receive his love and to be secure in his love. And for you to know that there is no good thing that he will withhold from you. He is not here to condemn you. He is here and he cries and he weeps over you because he wants you to be so blessed. He wants you to be so empowered. He wants you to be so lifted up. He wants you to come into the liberty that his son has paid for you to have. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We have a family who is joining us by live stream. People from different countries and descending. They want us to pray for them. So let's pray in the spirit for them. Amen. We need people saying um, from different countries. Praise you, Jesus. Descend requests. Amen. Amen. A hunger, and you say, Well, hey, look, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, and I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I have it? Yes, you can have it. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 37, He said, That if anyone thirsts, He says, If any man thirsts, He says, In that last day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried, If any thirst, let him come to me and drink. 
And he that believeth in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Bible says that this promise is for his children. We being earthly, we know how to give our children good gifts. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to his children? Once you're a child of God. And so first of all, I want to pray with you to make sure that you're a child of God. Yeah. And then after that, I'm going to pray and we're going to believe God that wherever you are, anywhere on this planet, once you are here hooked up to this broadcast, the Holy Spirit which was poured out on the day of Pentecost is where you are. And you can drink in that Holy Ghost and that Holy Spirit will come upon you and He will give you divine utterance and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit way across the ocean or just across the city or even across these isles. So just right now, let us make sure that you are born again. The word of God says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That when a man recognizes that, that he's been separated from God because of sin, and he recognizes that Jesus died for his sin, and he said, Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. Forgive me of all my sin. I receive you into my heart and life. I believe you've been raised up from the dead. The Bible says that when you do that, God said he will save you. So I want you to make, let's say this prayer together both here and for everyone online, just in case you've never been born again, this is your day. This is the day of salvation. This is the day for you to be born again into the kingdom of God. Say this with me. Say, Father in heaven. Say, Father in heaven. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've done wrong in my life. And I know there are places where I've sinned. But I do believe Jesus died and shed his blood so that I could be forgiven. And I do believe that Jesus was raised up from the dead so that you can receive me as your child. So right now, I confess every wrong I've ever done. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive the blood of Jesus washing me clean from every guilt from every shame, I believe that Jesus is raised up from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I give you my life. I choose to live for you from this moment on. Now the Bible says that when you do that, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because the name of Jesus is the name given unto heaven whereby men are to be saved. Now, God also promises that, that, that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, and I believe verse 13, that everyone, everyone that asks, receives. Every child of God but that asks, receives. So when you ask, you are going to receive. Now, what will happen is that we will pray, and, 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 and you're going to receive. Just follow my instructions. And then what will happen is, well, let's just go ahead and pray. Just, just right now, say, Jesus. Jesus. I come, to you I come to you according to your word. To your word. You, said, you said, if I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty come to you and drink. I well, I'm thirsty. I, I want everything you've got. I want, I want to be filled to be with filled. the Holy Ghost. I want this baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know everything about it, but it's coming from you, and it's good, and it's good for me. I want it. So I come right now, and I drink in the Holy Ghost. As I take a deep breath, the Holy Spirit is right here with me. He's everywhere. And I receive him now. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna stretch forth my hand by faith. And when I say unto you to, for you to begin to speak, I'm gonna ask you, the Holy Spirit will just rise up inside of you. You're gonna feel words coming up to your mouth. 
coming working inside of you, you just give sound to it. Don't think about what it means. Don't think about what you're saying. Don't don't speak in a language that you know. Whether you still, you may know Spanish, you may know Arabic, you may have some tribal language. Don't speak in a language you know. Just give utterance to that. Just give voice to what's coming up. And just begin to speak. And, and go. the Holy Ghost will give you divine utterance. And I'm, we're going to do it here. And for those of you who are already filled, speak in the name of Jesus. So right now, Father, in accordance to your word, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I just ask, Lord God, that you would fill people with the Holy Spirit wherever they are, everywhere right now, that the Holy Ghost will come upon them just as he did in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, just like he did in Cornelius' house, just as he did in, in, in the book of Ephesus, in the name of Jesus. By faith, Lord God, I release the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and I ask, oh Lord, that you would give them strong utterance. Now, right now, just open up your mouth and begin to speak. Begin to speak in the name of Jesus. And I take authority over any hindrance. I take authority and I sever every unbelief, every bad experience. I sever it off of you by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus so that you have the gift of faith and you are able to flow in the Holy Ghost right now. Just begin to speak. Just yield to the Holy Spirit. I know by faith right now there are people that are being filled. You can contact us and let us know. It might seem like foolishness. It might not make sense to you. But it doesn't make sense to you. But it makes sense to him. You are talking to God in a language beyond your own comprehension that he understands. You're giving thanks well and you're praying the word of God perfectly. Praise you, Jesus. Now, Father, now I want to pray for everyone here and for those online, whatever the need might be, that have requested prayer, Father. Lord God, I lift up. And you can pray in the Holy Ghost. Okay, so Father, there are churches out there that are hooked up with us. Lord, and they are asking for prayers. And the mere fact that they're asking in and of itself is an indication of their faith. So in the name of Jesus, we join our faith with them right now. We pray, Lord God, for the ministers, for the pastors, over those groups of believers, wherever they are. We pray, oh Lord, that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that spiritual things would become more real to them. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that the gifts of the Spirit would be activated in their lives and ministry, working of miracles and signs and wonders, and gifts of faith and gifts of healing and tongues and interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits and the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom in abundance, Father God. Lord God, fill them. Fill them, Lord God. Lord, they have financial needs in those churches, Father. I pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that you would open up areas, you would open up to them supernatural channels for finances to flow into their ministry so that they can obey you in, in the things that you've called them to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak divine healing and health in the name of Jesus. I declare the release of the kingdom of God and the authority of the sacrifice of Christ upon their lives, upon, upon their ministries, and upon their families in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that in blessing you are blessing them and in multiplying you are multiplying them, that you are increasing them with men like a flock in the name of Jesus and that your name is being glorified and honored in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Declare his faithfulness. Amen. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. Faithful you are. All the promises. going out, you bless them coming in, you bless them in their storehouses, in their relationships, wherever they put their hand on, prosper in the name of Jesus. Thank you, you give angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. Wherever they go, they are a blessing in this earth. Wherever they go, they hand on the sick, they recover, they raise the dead, they speak with other tongues. Lord God, wherever they are, they are a blessing. As Jesus walked in this earth, so they will walk also. We give you praise and glory for the lives of the ministry and the works of Christ through them. Amen. You are blessed.